Hey, this is Rodney Gage. I'm the pastor of Rethink Life Church in Orlando, Florida, and this is our podcast. Thank you so much for checking it out today. I hope it encourages and inspires you to live with a new perspective, make better choices, and have a greater impact with your life. Here's today's message. family. Well, listen, today is our concluding uh, message of a series that we've been in over the last few weeks called Relation Slips. And I know that we've been on spring break um, tomorrow. Uh, get the, we get back into the, the swing of things. I know our students are very bummed about that, but the reality is school starts back up tomorrow. And I know that many people have been out, been on vacations, taking some time off during the spring, spring break season. But we've had so many people comment about how this series has really uh, impacted them and challenged them. And it's really kind of helped them see some things from a different perspective that maybe they haven't really, ex- honestly, have maybe just thought about and have opened themselves up to. And during week one, we talked about the importance of just really dealing with the unresolved uh, issues in our lives. And sometimes that might refer to just the baggage of our past, or whatever that might be. And then we looked at something on the second week, and we talked about the unexpected differences, because anytime you put two people together... <laughs> There's always going to be differences. Not everybody sees eye to eye. We have different, you know, different personalities. We have a different makeup and, you know, different perspective in what we bring into our relationships and even our friendships and, of course, our marriages. And then we talked about unfulfilled expectations because oftentimes, you know, we, we get greatly disappointed when we have certain expectations of people when they fail or maybe, you know, fall short of living up to those expectations, it can be devastating at times, and sometimes it exposes the fact that we're putting our dependency upon something apart from God, which is something that God never intended for us. And then today, excuse me, last week, we talked about unmet needs and the importance and the power of those emotional needs in our lives or relational needs in our lives. We all have spiritual needs, but the relational and emotional needs in our lives are very important when it comes to really just how we behave and ultimately how we are able to live out our lives with each other in a way that is life-giving. And today I want to conclude by talking about something that I think we can all relate to, and that is unforgiven mistakes. I've come to realize that in one way or another, um, at some point in our life, we're going to experience hurt. And whether it's intentional or unintentional, when it comes to whether hurt that has been brought into our lives or perhaps whether it is hurt that maybe we've inflicted upon someone else. And like I said, it could have been unintentional. But hurt is something that we all have experienced in our lives. And if we don't learn and understand how to deal with the hurt in a Christ-like way, in a way that God wants us to deal with those hurts, those hurts can turn into negative things and often destructive things that can ultimately 
destroy our lives. And of course, it causes relation slips in our lives. And one of our theme verses in this, for this entire series is, is found in Hebrews chapter 12, looking at verses 1 and 2. And I want to read it to you. And here's what it says. It says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith, let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily trips us up. So obviously the things that I just mentioned are those things that can easily weigh us down, can slow us down, can ultimately trip us up in our lives. Especially the sin, the Bible says, that easily trips us up. So therefore, let us run with endurance the race that God has set before us. And how do we do it? We do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus, the champion who initiates and perfects our faith. So we all have a race to run in this life of faith. And God wants us to run our race with faithfulness and steadfastness and endurance. And if we take our eyes off Jesus and we put our eyes on people or on situations or circumstances, we're going to be let down. We're going to be hurt. We're going to be disillusioned. Why? Because listen, God is the only one who is perfect. And when you take imperfect people and you put them together, guess what? You're going to have imperfect relationships. You're going to have relation slips in your life. And so today, I want to share with you just something that I think will be helpful and encouraging and share with you from a perspective that maybe you've never thought about or heard about when it comes to what God wants to do in us and through us to heal the hurts in our lives. And I'm going to share with you a verse of scripture that is right in the middle of perhaps one of the most famous psalms in all of the Bible. It's known as Psalm 23. And, you know, oftentimes when people are going through a fearful or stressful or even a season of anxiety or maybe discouragement, if you've ever gone to a funeral, you know, you probably have heard maybe the minister read Psalm 23. And so therefore it is a very popular psalm and the reason why is because it is so applicable, it, it relates and it speaks into so many different areas of our lives. And in Psalm 23, looking at verses 1 through 5, it says these words. David said this, the Lord is my shepherd. And we all know David is the young shepherd, the shepherd boy that God ultimately anointed and appointed as king and became King David. But the scripture says, the Lord is my sh shepherd. I have all that I need. And he lets me rest in green meadows. And he leads me beside peaceful streams. He renews my strength, and he guides me along right paths, bringing honor to his name. Even when I walk through the darkest valley, I will not be afraid, for you are close beside me. Your rod and your staff protect and comfort me. You prepare a feast for me in the presence of my enemies. You honor me with anoint, by anointing my head with oil. And my cup overflows with blessings. Surely your goodness and unfailing love will pursue me all the days of my life. And I will live in the house of the Lord forever. I love that passage of scripture. 
And there's a verse, verse 5, right there in Psalm 23 that I want to camp out on today that I think God is going to use in a very personal and practical way to help bring healing to some of the hurts that some of you have encountered in your life that perhaps still to this day you're carrying in your life. It's interesting because in verse 5, King David gives us the answer or the antidote to healing the hurts in our lives. And what's interesting is he literally changes the metaphor that he's using, the language that he's using in this passage of scripture. He literally turns it from a field to a feast. He said, I'm going to prepare a table or a feast before you in the presence of my enemies. And so what I want to do for a few moments is I want to look at three things. Number one is this, if you're taking notes, and that is we have to let Jesus even the score when it comes to the relationships in our lives. Especially when it comes to those who have hurt us. We have to let Jesus even the score. Why? Because in verse 5 he says, you prepare a feast, a table for me in the presence of my enemies. Now sheep... And obviously David knew what he was talking about when he's referring to sheep. And he understood what it was like to be a shepherd and the full responsibility that a shepherd had to watch over and to care for a herd of sheep. So David is emphasizing, you God, prepare a feast for me in the presence of my enemies. Well, a sheep really was in many ways was very defenseless. It was totally dependent upon the shepherd to take care, to help protect, to oversee, and really to help meet all of the needs of that animal. And what's interesting is that when you think about a, a sheep, a sheep is really in, in, ill-equipped to defend itself. In other words, it doesn't have sharp teeth. It really doesn't even have the ability to kick in a way that you know, can truly fight off other predators. When you think about a sheep, a sheep is very, very vulnerable. Why? Because it is defenseless. And because of that, it doesn't have claws. And therefore, it is impossible for it to withstand anything that comes against it. It is 100% completely dependent upon the shepherd to protect and to fend in order for it to be able to survive. Well, here's the thing. A good shepherd... If he truly cares for his sheep, you know what he does? A good shepherd always looks for a field, a green pasture to lead his sheep into. And so therefore, as you can imagine, when you're in a place like the Middle East, where it's predominantly, you know, desert, very uh, rocky terrain, very dry. And so a shepherd is always looking for a green pasture, looking for opportunities to help take care and to feed its sheep. So when he finds a pasture, a green meadow, so to speak, what does he do? He leads his sheep to that place. But before he allows the sheep to fully reign and to basically roam through those green meadows, the shepherd takes his rod, takes his staff. You know what he does? He helps drive out the enemy. He helps drive out the pet predators. And once the predators are basically driven out by the shepherd, the sheep at that point can roam freely and can enjoy feasting right there in the middle of a green pasture. 
What does that tell you and me? What that tells us is that God wants to do the same thing. In your life and in my life, when we encounter hurt, when somebody says something to us, or when somebody does something that is offensive to us, when maybe somebody thinks ill things about us or toward us, and we know that maybe they have a certain attitude or maybe they have a perspective toward us that is hurtful, that we see and we take on a personal level as hurt. Guess what? God says, I understand, and here's what I want to do. I want to help you lead by leading you to a place and preparing a table for you. A table that is set for a feast. A place where you can rest. A place where your needs can be met. A place where you can be protected. A place where you can be comforted. God is saying, I'm going to prepare a feast right in front of you. And all you have to do is trust me that I am God. And I have the ability and the power to take care of those individuals who have brought hurt and pain and difficulty into your life. And we have to understand that because it is a part of what God wants us to do. He wants us to look to him. He wants us to lean on him. He wants to help drive away or drive out those individuals who have brought hurt into our lives. He takes care of us. In fact, in Romans chapter 12, verses 17 and 19, it says it this way. If someone does wrong to you, do not pay him back by doing wrong. Do not try to punish others when they wrong you, but wait for God to punish them with his anger. You know, it's, it's interesting that when we experience hurt, we said this a couple of times throughout this series, what, are, what do hurt people have a tendency to do? Hurt people hurt people. And so if we're not careful, it is our natural response to want to retaliate. It's our natural response to want to defend ourselves. It is our natural response. It is the, really the, the fleshly response of our, of our sinful nature to want to get back and make somebody else pay for the hurt that they brought into our life. In other words, we want to even the score. And what the scripture is teaching us is that rather than us trying to even the score, rather than us trying to put all of our energy spiritual, mental, emotional, and even physical energy in trying to make someone else miserable because they've made us miserable, well, guess what? We're still going to be miserable no matter what. Because until we allow Jesus to take care of our enemies, until we allow Jesus to even the score, until we allow Jesus to deal with the people, to deal with the offenses, to deal with the stuff that the enemy wants to use to sabotage our life, to cause relation slips in our lives, well, guess what? That is when we are going to live life in such a way where we are miserable because we're still carrying around the offense and we're carrying around the hurts and we're allowing the anger of what someone said or what someone did literally destroy our lives. And it not only robs us spiritually from our relationship and our fellowship from the, with the Lord, but it also, truly it robs us 
And it depletes us mentally and emotionally. And guess who pays for it as well? Our bodies pay for it. Why? Because of the stress. It's interesting, relationships are like a two-sided coin. You know, when you think about relationships, we can't live without relationships. But at the same time, trying to live with people, trying to get along with people, can also be stressful. It can be challenging. Why? Because when you take two imperfect people and you pair them together, what do you get? You get imperfect relationships. Now, I know oftentimes what happens is, is that a lot of times people will say, but, but yeah, but you don't understand what they did. You have no idea what kind of hurt I have encountered in my life. And just to be very transparent, there are many of us in this room. And honestly, you've encountered stuff that no human being should ever have to encounter in their life. Some of you, you have, you have been victims of abuse. Listen, for many of you, you've been through things maybe on a violent level. And there have been situations and circumstances that you didn't ask for. Maybe you were pulled into. Maybe there are situations and circumstances that, that you've had to encounter in your life that have been unimaginable, unbelievable pain. But can I just share something with you? Even though I can't relate to that, and even though I can't fully understand what it is you've encountered, and the depth of the hurt and the pain that you've encountered in your life, I want you to know someone who can't, who, who does. And I want you to know that God, who is a God who loves you, who wants nothing more than for you to find rest in Him, for you to be, listen, to be led into a green pasture where God will set before you a table where you can feast even in the midst of your enemies, even in the midst of your adversaries, even in the midst of those who have wronged you, who have offended you, who have violated you, who have hurt you, even through all of that, God says, I want to prepare a table before you in the presence of your enemies. That simply means God loves you, he is with you, and he is for you, and he is your defender, and he is your provider, and he is your protector. So today, the greatest single thing you could do to experience healing in your life is to let go of the offense. To find it in your heart to let go and to let God Deal with those who have offended you, those who have violated you, those who have, who have hurt you. Why? Because God ultimately is the one who will even the score. And for our sake, for our peace of mind, our peace of heart, for our own health and well-being, we've got to understand how important it is that we forgive and we let go of those things the enemy uses to destroy our lives. I can't tell you how many times through the years people have come to me and have shared with me unbelievable stories. In fact, um, my wife Michelle and I um, were close to a family. In fact, her family was even closer than I was. I was introduced to this gentleman through Michelle's side of the family, but long story short, there was even a movie made because of the bizarre circumstances that took, took place. The pastor 
um, that uh, pastored the church where my father-in-law, Michelle's dad, pastored for many years. He followed this gentleman, but the gentleman who was the pastor of the church was murdered. He and his wife both were murdered. In fact, um, the husband and the wife and uh, two of the children were all tied and were all shot at gunpoint. And the son and the daughter lived, and the mother and the father died. It was a home invasion, and very, very long story short, what's amazing is that the son and the daughter both, who survived, um, ended up going through an unbelievable process of healing and restoration, and even though they were able to find and ultimately um, the the gentlemen who were guilty of the murder uh, ended up doing life, and one of them one of them was even put to death there on death uh, experienced the death penalty there in the state of Oklahoma. Before that all took place, the young man who was shot went and looked at both of those individuals in the eyes and said, "I forgive you for what you did." And you know, I can't even comprehend doing something like that. But why is it so important? That we forgive people in our life. Why is it so important that we let go of the unimaginable? It's easier said than done, right? But here's the reason why it's so important. Because every single person in this room, every single person in this room, every one of us, we've all been forgiven by God. Every one of us. And when Jesus died on that cross, what did he say? Father, forgive them for they not where they don't even know what they're doing. We've all been forgiven by God. And Jesus paid the highest price so that we could be forgiven. But here's the other reason why we need to forgive is because resentment makes us miserable. And so the more we allow anger and hurt to fester into resentment and bitterness, it's been said that bitterness is like you know, drinking poison, poison and hoping that someone, helping the other person dies as a result. Bitterness is like holding a match. It only burns the one who's actually holding it. And so we have to understand that resentment only makes us miserable. But we also have to understand that every one of us not only has been forgiven by God, but every one of us is going to need to receive forgiveness in the future because of people that we're going to hurt. And we're going to offend. In fact, the Bible says it this way in Matthew 5, verse 7. God blesses those who are merciful, for they will be shown mercy. So God wants us first and foremost to allow Jesus to even the score. God wants to remind us, as David is reminding us, that he wants to prepare a feast for us. He wants to lead us into a place of provision and protection, a place of safety. He wants to lead us into a green meadow, to a green pasture. And he wants to place before us a feast, a table, even in the midst of our enemies. The second thing we learn from this passage is this. We need to let Jesus soothe our wounds. It's interesting, in verse 5 it says, you honor me. By anointing my head with oil. Now shepherds really put oil on a sheep's uh, head, if you will, for one of two reasons. And one was to not only soothe their wounds, but also to help heal their wounds. Now one of the things that's kind of interesting about 
especially in the Middle East and when it comes to sheep, because of the sheep's, uh, you know, their, their, the wool, if you will, of, you know, their, um, you know, the outer layer, they attract flies. Now, in the summertime, that is like the worst enemy of a sheep are flies. You wouldn't think about that. You would think all the other predators would be their worst enemy. But you know that flies were literally, they were despised by sheep. And the reason why, because here's what would happen. Flies would, would enter into the nostrils, and still to this day this happens. They enter into the nostrils of a sheep. So what happens is, is that those flies, I don't want to gross anybody out here, but those flies will lay eggs and the larvae from those eggs begin to fester, if you will, in the nostrils of those sheep. Which literally means drives the sheep crazy. They go cray cray because of these flies. So if you will watch, oftentimes in the middle of the summer, when the, the flies are kind of like at their peak, here's what happens. You will often see a sheep that will be banging its head on a rock. And the reason for that is simply because the flies are literally driving the sheep crazy. And that's exactly what our enemies can do. Our offenders. Listen, what God is trying to help us understand is this. God is concerned about the details and even the littlest of irritations in our lives. The smallest irritations. In other words, that coworker at work that just drives us crazy. You know, maybe those irritations that our spouse does that just kind of like, you know, rubs us the wrong way. Or maybe a friend that just annoys the living daylights out of you. And all of those little irritations that just kind of get under your skin. It kind of pushes your buttons to the point to where you're like, I don't know how much more I can take. Guess what Jesus is saying? He wants to soothe all the little irritations in your life. He wants to anoint your head with oil to soothe whatever it is that is eating you alive. Whatever it is that's getting under your skin. Whatever it is that perhaps the enemy is using to discourage you, to frustrate you, to defeat you. Jesus is saying, I want to anoint your head with oil. Why? Because one of the reasons is because I want to help soothe whatever it is that is irritating you and driving you crazy. But here's another reason that's interesting when it comes to why shepherds would use oil on the sheep's head. It was not only to help soothe, but it was also to help heal. Because it was a, in many ways, the oil served almost like a salve or maybe an ointment. So therefore, if there was a, a cut or a wound on the sheep, what the, what, the, what the shepherd would do is they would take the oil and they would mix the, the oil uh, with with, with other um, uh, solutions to where what it would do is it would bring like a healing agent to the sheep's skin and would provide healing to the animal. Well, here's what we need to understand. When you have a, when you have a little cut, you don't really need a bandage. You don't need, you know, to go through some kind of a, you know, complicated dressing to stop the bleeding, Right? But when you have a deep wound, in other words, when you have a deep cut, then serious matters need to be tended to because what happens if you don't stop the bleeding, if you don't, if you don't close the gap, if you don't heal the wound by 
addressing the wound like it needs to be addressed, then what happens is it gets infected. You can bleed. You can bleed out. There are a lot of repercussions if we don't take care of the wounds. It's like when my wife Michelle and I, right after we got married, uh, I was trying to, you know, be a good spouse. And so I was helping uh, clean the kitchen. And she had just baked some cookies. And I was scraping the, uh, the cookie sheet. And when I say I was scraping the cookie sheet, I was scraping it with a very sharp knife. And so I was holding the cookie sheet like this, and I was taking the knife, and I was trying to basically scrape all the residue from the cookies on that sheet, when all of a sudden, I drove the knife through my hand. And I was in shock at that point, because I was in so much pain, and of course, was rushed to the hospital, and what did they do? They not only, you know, addressed the issue, but they ended up putting stitches there, they ended up wrapping my my hand putting gauze around it and what were they doing they were addressing the issue why because of the severity of the wound and there are many of us in this room yeah there are some of us hey we we know what it's like to to you know have conflict with people we know what it's like to you know be around people you know that kind of annoy us that that you know that that irritate us that get under our skin we we all know what it's like to to deal with people who who don't maybe see things the way we see life right I mean it's just part of getting along and doing life with people who maybe you know it's just one of those things where it's like you know they're like our heavenly sandpaper you know what I mean it's just kind of put up with them but there are people in our lives people that we encounter that create deep wounds that have to be addressed and here's the thing we have need to understand the scripture tells it this way in Psalm 140 in Psalm 147 verse 3 the psalmist says he God heals the brokenhearted and what does he do he bandages their wounds Therefore, when we have deep hurts in our life, we need to understand that forgiveness is immediately. When we ask God to forgive us, or when we forgive our offender, listen, forgiveness can happen instantly. But healing is a process. And even though we can be healed, listen, we still have scars. In other words, there are still things in our memory. There are still things in our heart. There are still things in our lives that, took, that we will never forget that took place. But at the same time, even though we may not forget it, we can forgive it. We can ask God to forgive and to bandage our wounds. To heal the hurts and the brokenness of our lives. How does he do that? Let me share with you a couple of ways that he do, does it. I think this is so important, and I think a lot of people miss this. Let me tell you some of the bandages that I believe God uses to bring healing in our lives. The first is he, he uses fellowship. You say, what do you mean? I can't tell you how many times I have um, seen people who have been faithful coming to church, and all of a sudden, like, overnight, they're just, like, gone, disappeared. And, and a lot of times I'm thinking, man, what, where did this person go? What happened? And then 
you know, we'll, I'll follow up, I'll make a phone call, maybe shoot them a text, and a lot of times there's no response. And it's like, man, what happened to this person? And then eventually, eventually, we're able to connect, and here's what they usually will tell me. Well, they'll say, well, Pastor Rodney, I just went through a horrible divorce. Or I just went through a really difficult season. And I just felt like I needed to be alone. I just felt like I needed just to kind of isolate myself and just get away, you know, from other people. And I hear what they're saying. And I appreciate what they're saying. And I believe there is a place for people to work through their issues. And sometimes that might require a very short season or time or window where we allow ourselves to be alone, to be quiet, and to maybe hear from the Lord. But at the same time, we don't want to stay there. Because here's what happens. A lot of people, when they go through hurt, you know what they do? They run away from the church. They run away from God's people. And that is the worst thing that anybody could ever do. Listen, when we encounter hurt and we encounter disappointments, when we go through difficult seasons in our lives, man, when we go through difficult painful circumstances we need to run to the body of Christ we need to run to our spiritual family listen we need to be a hospital for the hurting for people who know that they are loved they are accepted and we have a we have a family who's going to walk with us even through the most difficult and darkest valleys of our lives come on somebody we ought to say a better amen than that listen we don't want to run from the church. We want to run to the church. We don't want to run from God's people. We want to run to God's people. It's a way that God helps bandage our wounds. Another thing that we, we, we receive is prayer. Because when, when we go to the Lord in prayer, when we cast our cares upon Him, listen, God heals the brokenhearted. He hears our cry. He knows what we're going through. And listen, there is healing through prayer. We need to go to God. He is our source of strength. He is our refuge. He is our shelter. He is our provider. He is our protector. And he wants us to go to him. We need to go to the church. We need to go to God in prayer. But another bandage that God uses is he also uses worship. You know, today when we had our team up here and just an incredible time of worship. And man, what an opportunity. What does God say? God inhabits the praises of his people. And there was power in pra praise. There's healing in praise. You know why? Because it puts our heart and it puts our focus upon God. It takes the focus off of ourself. It takes the focus off of our, of our circumstances. It takes the focus off of all that we're going through. And it puts our focus on the one who is capable and able to do what we can never do for ourselves. We need healing through our praise and through our worship. But you know another way that God brings healing into our life is through ministry. Let me tell you something. When you're going through difficulties and hardships, the greatest single thing you could do is to stand at the door and greet people. The greatest single thing you could do is just to serve somebody. Why? Because when you are serving somebody, guess what? You're putting the focus on other people. And guess what? You're taking the focus off yourself. Listen, you are worshiping God 
as you are serving people. And as you're serving people and worshiping God, you know what that's called? That's called ministry. And when you are doing ministry, I don't care what it is, if it's in a, leading a small group, if it's serving the parking lot, if it's helping with children, if it's investing your time and energy and resources into other people and opportunities to minister to the needs of people. I'm telling you, there is healing, there is transformation, and there is restoration when we allow God to use our hurts in order to minister life to other people. God never wastes a hurt. And I'm telling you that one of the greatest things that we can do to bring healing to our hurts is to help bring healing to the hurts of other people. It's called ministry. And so today, our psalmist is telling us, hey, he wants to lead us into places where he places a feast, a table before us. In the presence of our offenders, in the presence of our enemies, in the, in the presence of those who have wronged us and hurt us. And not only that, he wants to anoint our heads with oil. He wants to bring healing to our wounds. And the, the third is this, we need to let Jesus satisfy our needs. Let Jesus satisfy our needs. What does he say in verse 5? He said, my cup overflows with blessing. You know, it's interesting, an overflowing cup symbolizes or represents total satisfaction. And what that means is, is that in the Middle East, it is a, um, it is kind of a, a custom. It, 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 people just knew and understood, especially in biblical times, because of, again, the terrain being in a desert environment. Here's what people did when they gathered people into uh, their home, when they had guests into their home, the host would obviously either offer them water or they would offer them wine. And so you had the option to either, you know, have some water or to receive wine to help quench your thirst or to help be a part of the meal that the host would help provide. But in the Middle East, one of the things they also knew is that because that issue of overflow meant as a way of satisfying one's need, they also knew and understood because of the scarcity of wine and water in a desert environment, if you carried wine or water from one place to the next and it overflowed, it would spill, you would allow it to basically drop onto the desert ground, it simply would mean that you were being careless with carrying the water or the wine from point A to point B. And that's why it was important to them to make sure that they didn't spill or allow the wine or the water to overflow because they didn't want it to go to waste. And here's another interesting thing about this whole symbolic metaphor, if you will, of overflow. Have you ever been to somebody's house and maybe you didn't really know what time, you know, the gathering was supposed to finish? And um, it was a little awkward because you didn't know if you needed to wait or you need to go ahead and leave. Or, or maybe you had uh, people in your home 
And uh, maybe from your perspective as a host, you're thinking, hey, I don't know exactly how to communicate this, but somehow I need to let the people know, hey, it's time to leave. (laughs) Well, back then, here's what they did to communicate whether it was time for you to (laughs) hit the road or whether they wanted you to stay. And it was the way they used the cup at the table. So the host would come and they would pour the wine, or they would pour the water into the cup for the guest. And if the guest drank the wine, or they drank the water, and the cup was empty, the host would come, and what would they do? They would refill it. And then they would refill it. And then they would refill it. But then, after a period of time, if the host no longer continued to refill the cup, that was a very obvious message, it was part of the custom, It was an obvious message for the guest that it was time to leave. little tip, you can do that next time somebody's at your house. That's all we got. I think y'all need to go ahead and head on out for tonight. Enjoyed having you. But when the host wanted you to stay, when the host enjoyed your presence, enjoyed your company, you know what they would do? They would not only refill the cup, but they would fill the cup to the brim to the point of the wine or the water overflowing. What does that say? What that says to you and me is that God is inviting you to a table. He's inviting you to a feast. Even in the presence of Even, when I say the presence, it could be your workplace. It could be a school campus. It could be some extended family members that maybe you don't get along with. It, It could be a situation with people in your life who have offended you, hurt you, said things about you, done things behind your back. Jesus is inviting you to a table. He's saying, let me handle those people. Let me handle those situations. Let me handle the wrongs, the offenses, the hurts. Let me handle that for you. Let me bandage your wounds. Let me heal your hurts. And he's saying, take a seat at my table. Because I've prepared a feast. And I am the one who is here to satisfy your need. To the point where he fills our cup over and over and over again. Why? Because a spouse will always fall short of our expectations. Our spouse can never ever meet our needs for continuous love or respect or appreciation or feeling valued. Listen, our coworkers at work will always fall short of whatever it is that we're expecting them to fulfill. But do you realize that Jesus is the one who satisfies our every need? And he fills our cup over and over. And not only does he fill our cup, he fills it to the brim. 
to the point of overflowing. You know why? Because here's what he's saying to you. Come into my presence. And not only come into my presence, but listen, I want you to sit with me. I want you to enjoy my presence. Because in my presence, listen, there is unconditional love. There is unconditional acceptance. Listen, I want you to know that you are loved. You are approved. Listen, you are valued. I've given my life for you. I gave my son for you. I want you to know that I love you. I want a relationship with you. I know that other people have hurt you. I know other people have offended you. I know you've encountered some things that I never ever wanted you to ever have to experience or encounter. But I want you to know that I am your healer. I am your provider. And I am the one who can satisfy your every need. I'm going to give you hope. I'm going to give you peace. I'm going to give you love. I'm going to give you comfort in ways that no one else can when you are in my presence. And you know what? He never wants you to go home. He never wants you to go home. You know why? Because he says, my goodness, my mercy, and my goodness shall follow me all the days of my life as I and dwell into the house of the Lord forever. Isn't it awesome to know? Even though we encounter relationship in our life, we serve a God who is faithful and consistent. He's steady. He satisfies every need. Listen, He ministers to us. He heals our every, our every wound. He takes care of every hurt. Listen, He is the one who takes care of every need in our lives. He's a good God, amen? He's a good God. Let's pray together. As our heads are bowed and our eyes are closed for just a moment, I know that some of us in this room have walk through and have encountered some tremendous hurts in your life. And you know what, you may even be a, a follower of Jesus. You may have a relationship with the Lord and you know that you are in right standing with God as far as your relationship with Him is concerned, but maybe you're still carrying some hurts and some wounds. There's still some unresolved anger, some resentment that has built up in your heart toward maybe it was an ex-husband or wife. Maybe it was a mom or a dad. Maybe it was a business partner. Maybe it was somebody in your life that you loved, that you were close to. And yet that person that you loved, that you trusted, that you were closest to, ended up hurting you the most. And it's hard. And it's hurtful. But can I encourage you today, once and for all, to lay it all at the foot of the cross. Once and for all, let Jesus even the score. Once and for all, just let go and just... Allow God to heal your hurts. 
And you can do that right now, right here. You can just say, dear God, forgive me. Take this wound, take this hurt that I'm carrying in my life. And God, bring healing to my heart. Bring healing to my emotions. In your own way, in your own words, just tell God what you need to tell him today. And once and for all, just lay it at the foot of the cross and walk in freedom today. Knowing that you are free because of what Jesus did on the cross and through his resurrection for you. Some of you here maybe are are here for the first time, or maybe you've been coming for a little while, and, and maybe God has spoken to your heart today, and maybe what's missing in your life more than anything else is a relationship with God through His Son, Jesus Christ. And if you're unclear about where you stand with the Lord, can I just invite you to pray this prayer and invite Jesus today to be your Lord and your Savior? And invite Him to take control of your life. You can pray something like this. Just say, Dear God, I confess to you that I am a sinner. And I turn from my sin today. Jesus, I believe that you died on a cross and you arose again. And by faith, I invite you into my life to forgive me and to save me. Thank you, Jesus, for saving my soul. Now, as our heads are bowed and eyes are closed, if you prayed that prayer just then, hey, would you let me know by just holding up your hand high toward heaven today, saying, yes, count me in. I'm not ashamed to admit it. I just invited Christ into my life. That's awesome. That's wonderful. Thank you. Thank you. Anybody else? Father, we thank you for these who lifted their hands. And Lord, thank you for the deep work that you are doing in the hearts and the lives of people. Thank you, Father, that even though we encounter relation slips in our lives, you're always right there to help pick us back up and to bring healing and forgiveness and restoration into our lives. Thank you, Jesus. We pray this in your mighty name. Amen and amen. Come on, let's give God all the praise that he deserves in this place. Amen. And celebrate with those that made life's greatest decision. Well, let me just say, if you prayed that prayer and you just invited Christ into your life, you just raised your hand acknowledging that you did so, I would love to know that you invited Christ into your life. And one of the ways you can do that is by taking our Connect card, looks just like this, and uh, just putting a check mark in that box, uh, excuse me, in that little line there that says, I'm giving my life to Jesus Christ. We would love to know that. And we have a little booklet we put together called Rethinking Life Every Day. And that little booklet is just a great tool that helps uh, answer spiritual questions you might have and helps kind of point you in the right direction as far as your next spiritual steps to take. And we have a Bible we'd love to give to, to you as well. If you need one, we have them in English and, in, and as well as in Spanish. And they will be available at our Next Steps uh, tent. So feel free to take a step um, that I promise you will be the best step that you could take to help you get into uh, your next step as far as growth and really understanding and learning more about uh, what God wants to do in and through your life. And so those will be available. We encourage you to either drop the Connect card in the offering containers that comes by or drop it, by, drop it off there at the uh, Next Steps uh, tent. And we would love, or excuse me, the Next Steps table. And we'd love to have an opportunity to connect with you in that way. Another thing too, as many of you know, um, 
Easter is just around the corner. We would encourage you to take some of these with you. Uh, we also have a few yard signs uh, that we're going to make available for folks as well. And we would encourage you to begin now inviting people to Easter, putting some yard signs out. Uh, listen, if you have a maybe a neighborhood or a place that uh, is, is, you know, that won't uh, maybe be taken up by the Homeowners Association or whomever, but you can put some signs out. Hey, put them out in some visible places. But let's get the word out. Let's, be, let's, let's let people know that, hey, there is a church at Lake Nona High School called Rethink Life Church, and God is on the move. Amen? So let's allow God to use us. This is the easiest invite, I believe, of the whole calendar year. We're giving out 10,000 Easter eggs uh, right after our uh, uh, 1030 service on Easter Sunday out on the football field. So there's going to be something for every person of the family. It's going to be an awesome time. And you'll notice there's a little QR code there on the back of this invite card. So it's easy for people just to scan that. It takes them right to our uh, website. And we have a plan, your visit experience that we've set up now for people to be able to take advantage of for all of the new guests that will be coming. And then also we're still... Uh, praying that God will raise up an additional 50 people that would say, hey, count me in on Easter Sunday. I would love to help serve in one of the two services that we're going to be having. And so whether that is serving coffee or helping in the parking, we're going to need a lot of additional parking support help. Um, maybe it's helping in the children's area or maybe serving as, a, as an usher or a greeter, whatever that looks like. Hey, we can all be a part of making an impact on that very important day and so let me encourage you to fill out that information there we provided uh, for you uh, an opportunity for you to uh, to fill out something there on the connect card or you can take your phone and just text the words RTL serve and that will shoot you an electronic form and you can let us know what area of interest that you have and so today as we conclude our time we're gonna continue to worship the Lord through giving you know, one of the things we talked about was overflowing. You know, in Luke 6.38, that same metaphor is used when it comes to the area of giving in our lives. When we give, there's just a way that God takes what we give, He uses it and multiplies it, but we receive the blessing to the point of overflowing in a way that God uses and honors. Why? Because of our faithful obedience to give generously unto the Lord. I want to encourage you today to give an offering unto the Lord. Worship the Lord through giving. And so through your tithe, through an offering, you can give through a text. You can give, you know, in the offering uh, envelope or you can even give online. But either way, let's be faithful in this area of our lives. And I want to share one quick praise report and I'm going to pray and then we're going to give. But we are officially under contract with a piece of land. And um, I am going to ask you to do something today. Don't ask me any questions about where is it? I need to know. I'm going to ask you to pray. And the reason why is because we have a very important meeting on April the 5th. And this, this, uh, this meeting is with the county. And the reason why I'm asking you to pray is because uh, we have gone through this process before in the past and um, sometimes when you think things are a slam dunk the county can throw a curveball at you or other people can rise up and uh, in opposition but we're gonna pray for God's favor and we're gonna pray that on April 5th we're gonna get green light 
And we're going to get thumbs up so we can proceed. And we're already working behind the scenes that we're going to show and unveil all the details. So just be in prayer. Will you do that for me? We just commit to praying. That is a huge, huge day on April 5th. And if God gives us the green light and we get the, the favor among uh, the county as far as their full support for us to move forward, then we are going to be all cylinders go and it's going to be pedal to the metal and because uh, we will be on the fast track to close on this piece of land. And so I'll be sharing all the details uh, about that in the coming uh, weeks. So just be in prayer for that day on April the 5th. God's on, God's on the move and he's doing something great. And we're so, so excited. Well, let's pray over our offering. Father, we thank you for your faithfulness and your goodness. Lord, we pray today as we, as we worship, today as we give. And Lord, we just ask that we'll be faithful, Lord, as your hands and feet. Lord, to be your people, to be hope and light to this world that so desperately needs it. In Jesus' mighty name, amen and amen. Come on. Well, thanks again for listening. To hear more messages like this one, be sure to subscribe and check out our podcast channel for past episodes. And if you like what you're hearing, it would mean a great deal to us if you would consider rating it and even sharing it with your friends. You can click on the share button, take a screenshot, and share it on your social stories. And be sure to tag us at Rethink Life Church. To learn more about our church, check out RethinkLife.com. Until next time, hey, we love you and believe the best is yet to come in your life.